Going to continue today in the book of Acts. Today we are in Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read just one verse of scripture today. And then going to cover most of the chapter as exposit the chapter 16 and as you are aware if you study preaching or have been around preaching a long time that I I very seldom do what's called topical preaching and I have nothing against that it's just uh, my preference is to go through the text and sometimes that's one verse and and all of the structure of the sermon comes from that one verse. And sometimes it's a paragraph in Scripture, and I take my structure from that. And today I'm taking my structure from the entirety of chapter 16, tying it around a common theme, and then preaching that theme to you today. Acts 16, verse 10. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go on into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul had seen the vision immediately. He sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Today, for just a little bit, and we're starting the sermon a little bit late, so I will try to get through this quickly, but preaching today on the essentiality of evangelism the essentiality of evangelism. God bless you. You may be seated. Our world is full of searchers, people who are searching for cures to disease, people who spend hours, thousands of hours, and millions, and and maybe even billions of dollars searching for a antidote are searching for a way to cure various diseases one of those of course most recently is the the vaccine as people sought to find a way to keep us from getting covid but longer term than that people search for cures to cancer and various kinds of cancer and cures for diabetes in various ways you can keep it under control there's things that you can do but There is really no cure. There's nothing they can give you that will cure that. There's nothing they can give you that will cure cancer or any number of other diseases. In fact, actually, there was a recent study, a recent trial, where everyone who was giving a certain mononucleal something or another, and I'm not a scientist, I just saw it, everybody who took that in this trial, their cancer went into remission. Is that a cure for cancer? Time will tell. But people search for cures to disease and for the things that ail them. In fact, even longer term than that, people have searched for the fountain of youth. They've looked for something that will enable them to live forever. People have searched for something that they could find, some water somewhere or some mineral somewhere that they could take and that they could then drink the water or take the minerals and they could live forever been a long time and I'm, I wasn't really planning on getting into details but maybe it was Ponce de Leon who tried to thought he found the fountain of youth in Florida obviously he didn't find or whoever the 
the explorer was, they didn't find the fountain of youth, but most of the time they're looking for something that would enable them not to die, an antidote to the death that comes upon us all. There are others who search for a utopia, a place of perfect existence, a place where there is perfection and there are no problems and there are no conflicts. People looking for answers to what ails them or ultimately what will befall all of us, and that is death. The reality is this, is that people that follow Jesus Christ have the cure to people's greatest need. That we have the answer to what they ultimately need, and and that is not healing, and that is not to live forever here on the earth, but that is freedom and forgiveness of sins. Freedom from sin and forgiveness of sins. But ultimately, when you get that, you get to live forever in a perfect utopia as we live forever with Jesus Christ, where there is no problem, there is no disease, there is no sickness, there is no sorrow, there is no death, there is no separation. We have the answer. That you and I have ultimately the answer that people are looking for. The challenge, of course, is this, is that people often don't realize that we have the answer. They don't know that we have what they need, and so then it becomes incumbent upon us to share what they need with them, to tell people what they need. Truth is this, is that almost no one will find the gospel unless we tell them. If you look through the Bible, it is the sharing of the gospel by people that make the difference. No Twitter feed and no Instagram, no Facebook post is going to save anyone. It is through the sharing of the gospel that will see people find the hope that they need. Our text today, Acts chapter 16, it, it falls, of course, after these previous chapters. And just to catch you up a little bit, the gospel had spread to the Gentiles, and it spread to Antioch in chapter 11. Talked about the life-changing power of the gospel. In chapter 12, Peter imprisoned for preaching the gospel, and I preached to you the power of a praying church. Chapter 13, Saul and Barnabas are called to go to the mission field, in essence, or to take the gospel to the Gentiles. If you remember, I preached when God calls your name. Chapter 14, first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, and I I preached about the impact of the supernatural and how everywhere they went, miracles, signs, and wonders took place. And last week, looking at the question in chapter 15 of what do the Gentiles need to do to be saved, and I preached questions about our salvation. Today, looking at chapter 16, I want to preach, as I mentioned, the essentiality of evangelism. Evangelism is prominent in chapter 16 in a variety of settings, in a variety of ways. And from that, drawing five truths to your attention. The first thing is this, is that evangelism works best when we remove unnecessary barriers. It works best when we remove things that will hinder sharing the gospel with people. In verses 1 through 5 of chapter 16, Paul is 
comes to Derby, and then he goes to Lystra, and there he finds Timothy, who is the son of a Jewish woman. She is a believer, but Timothy's father is a Greek, a Jewish mom, and a Gentile father. He was well spoken of by the brothers there at Lystra and Iconium. He believes the gospel, and Paul decided that he wanted Timothy to be on his missionary team, that he wanted Timothy to go with him to preach the gospel. However, even though we just answered the question in chapter 15 about circumcision, understanding that circumcision was not a requirement for people to be saved, that they didn't have to undergo circumcision as a Gentile when they were converted to be saved, But Paul, understanding that an uncircumcised Gentile was going to hinder his ability to spread the gospel to the Jews. And if I could say it this way back up, and I'll I'll probably mention it later, but why this is important is this, that everywhere that Paul went, even though he is the apostle to the Gentiles, everywhere that he went, he went to the Jews first. He would find a synagogue of the Jews and he would go in and preach the gospel to people who already believed the Old Testament scriptures. They already had a foundation and understanding that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. They already had an understanding that there wasn't a plurality of gods. They already had an understanding that you need to live morally and rightly before that God. They just needed to know about Jesus. And so he would go to the synagogues in every city and and he would go to the Jews and he would get a nucleus of people who would believe and then he'd finally get kicked out of the synagogue and he would take them and then he would use that group of people to then evangelize the Gentiles. But he understanding that if they know that he is a Greek, if they know that his dad was a Gentile, they would know that the mom wasn't deciding about circumcision. It was a decision of the father. So Paul, understanding that if Timothy goes with me and and if he goes and he's trying to preach the gospel to Jews, they're going to know that he is a Gentile and they're going to know he's not circumcised and they're going to shut him down. That they won't listen to anything he has to say. Have you ever been in those situations where you're trying to talk to people about something and they don't really hear anything you have to say because of some past experience or what they think about you or Anybody been there? Some nods and a hand. Been there, done that. And what Paul is doing is he's like, we're going to spread the gospel. So any barrier, any unnecessary barrier to preaching the gospel, we need to move it out of the way. Timothy, as a grown man, getting circumcised, that's a commitment right there. But Paul says, if we're going to do this, We need to get rid of this barrier. What I would tell you is this, is that we need to get rid of barriers that will keep people from hearing the gospel. To get rid of the things that would cause people not to want to follow Jesus. Part of the way that we do that is we, of course, share that there is bad news. And and, and I am an advocate of this. Nobody cares about your good news unless they know there's bad news. Why do I need to come to Jesus? Well, because if you don't, there is a hell waiting. 
That's the bad news. And, and the bad news is you can't get to heaven and you can't escape hell any way except through Jesus Christ. That's the bad news. And, and, and I am a firm believer that if people don't know there's something bad, then they don't really care about your good. There are other ways, though, in which we can do that. There are other avenues where we can talk about the blessings that come with following Jesus and, and the good things that come with following Jesus that are here in this life where he gives us life and he gives it to us more abundantly. Yes, we're going to spend an eternity with him and that's glorious. But it's not just in the future, but God will bless you now and God will give you favor now. Paul said he had become all things to all people that by all means he might save some. I referenced this on Thursday night in our Foundation 401 class. But there is a principle here of that I am going to do my best to relate to the people who I'm trying to reach with the gospel. What are some of these barriers that we need to remove? One of those is using what some would call Christianese using language that you find only in the church, that people outside the church, they have no idea what you're talking about. If somebody can't, goes up to a person who is not a follower of Jesus, and tell them you need to be covered by the blood, that's probably not going to go over very well. That using those kinds of language, even of being born again, Without context and without explaining it, they're not going to get it. You tell them that the Spirit convicted you. They're going to think that you've lost your mind or you're supposed to be going to prison. The Spirit lives inside of me. That's scary if you watch the movies today. <laughs> but we need to remove barriers to the sharing of the gospel. One way that we can do that or one barrier that we can have is when we don't understand the culture or the worldview of the hearers. That we don't know really where they're living. We don't really know how they think. We don't know why they think what they think. So while we have to study the Scripture and we have to know the Scripture, we also have to, in theological terms, exegete our culture. That means to study their culture and know what, what they're doing and what they're thinking and why they are thinking it. Removing barriers by understanding. One of the way, barriers we can have is not interacting with them in a way that they can relate to. That if all we do with them is spiritual things and all we want to, the ways we want to interact is spiritual, we're never going to develop a friendship so they can hear the gospel. And just as I was talking here, you see this a lot, and, and actually I, I don't see it a lot. I hear it a lot. And maybe it's the people that we're connected with on Facebook and social media. And I, and I don't do, I've never made a personal post ever on social media. I post things for the church, about the church. And so up until 2018, I'd never posted anything. Didn't really, don't really like social media, don't want to be involved in social media. But I hear this and... Once again, it's not the people necessarily that I'm connected with, and maybe you can relate to this, that people having arguments on Facebook about political views or racial views or a variety of things, and they go at one another. 
that's a barrier to sharing the gospel. Nobody wants to hear what you have to say. And if you're taking them to task and telling them they're ignorant, oh, let me tell you about the love of Jesus. It doesn't have to be social media. It can be on the, on the job, getting into political or, or maybe even moral discussions. But understand this, that if you take somebody to task and you're going, well, bless God, this is wrong and that's wrong. And then you try to share the gospel with them, they're probably not going to hear it. The first thing we need to do is remove unnecessary barriers. Secondly, I would tell you this, that evangelism should be led by the Holy Spirit. It is a spirit-led endeavor it is not you and i on our own just deciding what to say and when to say it but it is the leading of the spirit that leads us to people and helps us to understand what to say in a specific situation in fact jesus would tell disciples this when you get called before kings and you get called before these leaders don't worry about what you're going to say the spirit will tell you what to say when you get there and I realize that you and I are not going to be standing before many kings and before many rulers having the opportunity to share the gospel, but that principle is still true. God will help us when we share the gospel. The question is, will we listen? In chapter 16, Paul is wanting to go through a number of areas, he is, but he is forbidden by the Spirit to speak in Asia that he's trying to go into the area of Asia, and the Spirit says, no, you can't go there. He said, all right, Lord, I'll go somewhere else. And he begins his journey somewhere else, and he tries to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit says, no, don't go to Bithynia. And it's not because the gospel doesn't need to be preached there. It's just because the gospel is not to be preached there then by Paul. It will get there. It's just that God had other plans. And so Paul, having a dream or a vision at night, he sees in his vision, in his dream, he sees a man of Macedonia in his dream saying, come and help us. Come, we need your help. So Paul awakens from that vision and he decides that that was the Spirit giving him direction. And they go into the area of Macedonia specifically. They go into the main city of Philippi. To where he was going, God said, don't go there now, go to here at this time. Led by the Spirit. And it is from there that I read our text. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Notice the we here, and I've mentioned this before, but Luke, who is the author, the human author of the book of Acts, he is now part of Paul's missionary team, and he says Paul had the vision, and we went to Macedonia. Now he's part of the people that are going to share the gospel. But you and I need to be led by the Spirit if we're going to evangelize effectively. If we're going to share the gospel effectively, we need to be led by the Spirit. How can we do that? One thing we should do, and I would say we must do, if we are to make His mission our mission, and that is to pray daily for opportunities to share the gospel. It is part of my daily prayer 
It was not part of my daily prayer four years ago or five years ago or six years ago. But when God called us to plant a church here in Olathe, we finally got made our mission His mission. And our mission is to share the gospel with people that we come in contact with. And, and while I all, don't always get that prayer in the first thing in the morning, there are times when I have interactions with people and I'm like, Lord, I, I needed to pray that where you would give me opportunity and wisdom and boldness to share the gospel. Opportunity and wisdom and boldness to pray for a lost or hurting person. Praying daily for opportunity. Praying daily for the words to say. and Praying daily for the places to go. There are numerous places that I go on a daily basis for a variety of reasons, personal church, it, it, it's all over the place. Most of what I try to do, it's just, whether, I don't know that it's right or wrong, it's just, it is. It's that I, I, because I live in Olathe and we're planting a church in Olathe, that I try to do everything I can in Olathe. I try to get gas in Olathe. That's getting harder <laughs> to afford. That if I'm going grocery shopping, I want to do it in Olathe. And if I'm going out to eat, I want to do it in Olathe. If I'm going to Home Depot, I want to do it in Olathe. If I'm going to Lowe's, I want to do it in Olathe. But speaking of something like Home Depot, there are two of them in Olathe. I randomly decide which one I go to if I need to go. But I would tell you this, except when we're led by the Spirit and we're praying for opportunities to share the gospel, that there may be times when God, I'm wanting to go to the North Home Depot and God's going, you should go to the South. Or you should go to the, the North Target instead of the, the South why? Because maybe there's somebody there that God wants me to run into. There's somebody there I can have an interaction with. There's somebody there who can present an opportunity for me to share the gospel. Do we have to pray, Lord, which target do you want me to go to? Which Home Depot? We don't have to do that, but maybe we should. God, is there somebody at this location that I can reach with the gospel? Or is there somebody over here that I can reach? Lord, I need to buy this. Where should I go to buy it today? And it's not because God just cares where I buy it, but, but if I'm on mission with Him, then I need to know where to go so I can run into the right people at the right time. That I need to be led by the Spirit so my evangelism can be led by the Spirit. And when something isn't working and when I'm sharing the gospel or, or I'm not having opportunities to share the gospel, pray and say, God, what can I change? How can I do something different? How can I put myself in front of people that want to hear the gospel? And that leads me to the third truth, and that is this. It's that evangelism is most effective when we seek out the hungry. Evangelism works best 
when we seek out those who are hungry. Verse 13, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed on us. I referenced it earlier that when Paul would go into a city, he would seek out the synagogue in that city so he could preach to the Jews first. And then, after reaching some converts and getting kicked out of the synagogue, he would then go to the Gentiles. It appears that here there is no synagogue. There is no place where the Jews were coming together in the city. And it would seem that what Paul is doing is on the Sabbath day going outside the city to the riverside thinking that this is where the Jews are going to gather. This is where they're going to be. They don't have a synagogue, but they're still going to worship God on the Sabbath day. So he shows up on the riverside. Nothing but women, it appears, who are there. He prays with them, and then he preaches the gospel to them. And Lydia a businesswoman, a seller of purple goods, a special dye that she uses to, to make the purple and to sell them. She is there, and the Bible says she was already a worshiper of God, which means that she was probably a Jewish proselyte. She was a non-Jew, but she was worshiping the God of the Jews. And he preaches the gospel to her. She receives the gospel she is baptized, she and her household, and they are born again. I would tell you, we probably can't go down to the riverside, find a group of people that are worshiping God here in Olathe, or here maybe it's Indian Creek or just a lake because there's no river. But there are places where people gather who are hungry. And what I would tell you is this, that most hungry people, people that are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ are people who are hurting. When people have everything going their way and are, there's no problems, there's no trouble, they're very often not receptive to the gospel. Now understand this, looks can be deceiving. They can look like they have it all together. But it doesn't matter how much money you have, you have the same problems that everybody else has. You have the same family dysfunctions and you have the same uh, lack of peace and you have the same anxiety and you have the same depression and the same worry. But they can look like they have it all together. So don't rule out the people that don't appear to be hurting. But I would tell you that wherever there are hurting people, there are hungry people. Jesus said in Luke 14, or chapter 4, verse 17 and 18, 
when he showed up at the synagogue, which was his custom. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus' ministry for the most part, was to the downtrodden and to the hurting and to the hungry and to the oppressed, to those who needed physical healing, those who were bound and in captivity, those who were hooked on various things, those who had addictions. He was reaching for those. Why? Because he said those who are whole don't need a physician. Those who have it all together, they don't need a physician. They don't want a physician. But those who are hungry, those who are hurting, those are the people that will hear the gospel. It has been said that those who are most likely to receive the gospel are people who are experiencing tragedy. They're experiencing trauma in their life or they're in a time of transition. So while we should share the gospel with everybody, it's most effective when we find those who are hungry. Those who are in need are more likely to hear and receive the gospel than those who think they have no needs. We'll read a lengthy passage to you. Jesus said this in Luke 14. A certain man gave a great supper and he invited many and he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. The master said, or the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. We brought in all of these hurting." And still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. When the people who had money and they had bought land and they had bought oxen or they were busy in relationship. They all said, no, we don't, have, we don't need that right now. We don't need your banquet. We don't need your supper. Go and find the hurting and go and find the lame and go and find the blind. And bring the poor to me. Why? Because the poor and the blind and the lame, they don't get to go and do anything else. They don't get invited to great banquets. They don't get invited to places of honor. 
But Jesus says, those are the people. Just bring them all to me. People that are hungry are the ones who have need. And I would tell you those are the people we should go after because evangelism is most effective when we seek out the hungry. Would you close your eyes? Would you lift your hands right now? Would you talk to the Lord for a moment? Jesus, God, we ask for your spirit to lead and guide us, to send us to the hungry, to send us to those who are open to hearing the gospel and those who are open to receiving the gospel. Lord, help us to be as those servants that we would compel them to come that your house may be full. God, help us to be on mission for you. Help us, Lord, to be on mission for you. Lord, let the power of your Spirit work in us. God, I pray that your presence and your power right now would saturate our hearts and lives, that we would develop a love for the lost a passion for those who do not know you, a passion to see them saved, a passion for the Great Commission. Lord, work in us, I pray. God, let us have the great love for the people you died for. We need you. We need you. I've got two more points in it in a conclusion. But would you just talk to the Lord where you are right now? If you want to you want to stand, you can do that. If you want to kneel, you can do that. There's cushions at the front by the platform. You just want to sit where you are. Would you just talk to him? Until a love for the lost would saturate our hearts and minds. That His mission would be our mission. That we would do His bidding. God, we need You. We need You.
Show me your face, fill up this space, my world needs you right now, my world needs you right now, I can't escape,
point four was this. Evangelism guarantees opposition will come. I won't elaborate on that, but just understand that not everybody will like when you share the gospel. Not everybody will be open to receiving the gospel. But if you go through your life without spiritual opposition, I would say it's most likely because you're not doing His will. Trouble will come. Tribulation will come. And when you do things His way and for His kingdom, for His purpose, opposition will come. Not all trouble because you're doing the right thing, but when you do the right thing, trouble will come. It happened for Paul and his missionary team. And fifthly, evangelism and the miraculous are intertwined. Just to briefly touch on it is this, Paul and Silas thrown into prison for preaching the gospel and for sharing the gospel with people that didn't want to hear it for casting out demons or some men who were rich using a demon-possessed girl to get them more riches. Thrown into prison. But at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God and a great earthquake came and their bands fall off, fell off. And the jailer, seeing that the gates were open and the chains had fallen off, getting ready to kill himself before his bosses could kill him for letting them escape, they said, well, hey, we're still here. We haven't gone anywhere. We're free, but we're still here. Amazed that they did not leave. He says, brothers, what must I do to be saved? And they shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And immediately he went, he and his household, and they were baptized. It's in the middle of the night, found water. They're not going some, they're not waiting till the next day or two weeks. Immediately upon coming to know Jesus Christ and believing in him, let's go get baptized because going to tell you that's what you do. That's what the Bible says. If you believe, you get baptized. There is no other option that you'll find in the Scripture. But what I want to point out to you is this, is that most of the book of Acts, the preaching of the gospel leads to signs and wonders and miracles, and then people believe. Here, it's different. That the miracle came first. And the guy said, tell me about this Jesus. And so whether the preaching or the sharing of the gospel comes before the miracles or the miracles come before the preaching and the sharing of the gospel, just understand the miraculous is intertwined in evangelism. It is a miraculous supernatural event when people truly commit their life to Jesus Christ and He forgives their sin and He washes away their sins in the waters of baptism and He fills them with His Holy Spirit. Expect the supernatural and expect the miraculous in your life. And I've probably said it before, but it's worth repeating if you're not seeing miracle signs and wonders in your life. 
maybe you're not on his mission. His mission wasn't to come to church, and we should come to church. His mission wasn't so that we would pray, and he commands us to pray. His mission wasn't for us to live holy, and he commands us to live holy. His mission is to make disciples. And when we do that, his spirit always shows up. His spirit will always accompany those who do his mission. It's why you see and hear the stories of miracle after miracle and supernatural event after supernatural event for those who are on the mission field when they're preaching the gospel. Miracles happen. And when you share the gospel and when you're on his mission, miracles will happen. And if nothing else, share the gospel just so you can see a miracle. If you're not there yet, if you don't care enough yet about the people you're sharing the gospel with, at least share the gospel so God will show up and you can see him do the miraculous. I want to be on mission for Jesus. Our world needs Jesus. you haven't fully believed and obeyed the gospel today today is the day of salvation if you haven't been baptized by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ today can be your day if you haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit evidence when speaking in a language that you didn't learn and that you don't know today can be your day that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus made it all possible. Let me just close with this. Paul would write in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But how shall they hear without a preacher? that preacher is not necessarily someone standing in a pulpit. Paul didn't stand in pulpits. He stood on street corners and he stood on the bank of the riverside. But how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall he be sent or preach except he be sent? That all of us today have been sent to somebody. We've been sent to those who are in our sphere of influence. We have been sent to those in our family and those on our job and those in our business, those in our neighborhood. I don't live in your neighborhood, but your neighbors are not my mission field. I don't work at your job. Your co-workers are not my mission field. I'm not in your biological family, so your family's not my mission field. But your family and your co-workers and your neighbors, those are your mission field. And your world, your mission field, needs Jesus.
song said, I can't help but be afraid. It can be scary sharing the gospel. Lord, but fill me with you right now. Why? Because when I'm filled with him, it overcomes fear. That perfect love casts out fear. I told a friend of mine recently, and I, I think I shared it on Thursday night, and I may have said it in the pulpit, but I, I told him, I said, if you believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you believe the new birth message, that you've got to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus and filled with the Spirit in order to see heaven. And by the way, in case you don't know, that's what Jesus said. You want to seek heaven, you've got to be born of water and of spirit. I told him, I said, if you really believe that, and you really believe that Jesus is coming soon, then you have to tell your family. You can't hide the truth can't hold back the truth if you believe if you say that you love them and you believe they're on the way to hell it'd be better for them to be mad at you for a little while and go to heaven than to spend an eternity in hell because you never told them Our world needs Jesus. We did this Thursday night in Foundation 401 class. but I'm not going to have you write any names down, but I, I want you to think about who you need to share the gospel with right now. People you know are lost. People you know that don't have a relationship with Jesus. People you know that haven't been born again. And as you think of them, would you pray that God would help you to have opportunity, wisdom, and boldness to share the gospel with them beginning this week. Not next week, not next month. God, but give me opportunity this week. Give me wisdom to do it in the right way where they can receive it, where they can hear it. God, empower me and lead me. Would you do that right now? Would you make that your prayer? Jesus, we need you.